Now time for Chillin' with Quillin on ESPN Central Texas. Oh, man, we're a couple minutes late. I know he's shocked by that. Chillin' with Quillin. Curtis Quillen, ready to roll here, and uh, we've got lots to discuss. Curtis, uh, boy, our our buddy Roberts, he's just he's headed out of town. Um, I hope everything's okay over at the shop. You guys are are uh, getting along, and and uh, it's just uh, it's just tough with oh lively. I meant I was thinking of Matt Roberts. Sorry, Matt Lively has left the coop. How's everybody doing over there? Is every is everybody kind of hanging in there with uh, Lively's departure? Yeah, we're hanging in there. Uh, I can't lie to you. It, that, that one hit me a little hard. You know, there's only one coworker of mine that's left that I think I was a little, uh, more sad to see leave uh, in my time at six. And so, you know, Matt's been an incredible teammate for two and a half years and uh, became one of my favorite human beings in that time. And so... He was really helpful as I went through quite a bit during the spring with, you know, selling one house and moving and, uh, you know, planning a wedding whenever he first got here and all of that. And so he's been outrageously accommodating and understanding. Um, and that doesn't even begin to talk about the outrageous amount of talent he has um, as a sports reporter. And so wherever he winds up, and I, I know he's hoping to be able to announce that to everybody soon, um, mm-hmm. he, he's going to be an incredible asset and they're going to see, uh, why everyone in our newsroom was, was, you know, bittersweet, uh, had bittersweet emotions to see him leave after just yeah. two and a half years. Well, he's such a nice guy. He left like notes with different reporters and people that he had worked with. And as, uh, as you may have heard us talking about, of course, I complained because I wanted to be the only one who got one. Felt like there were too many people that he singled out. <laughs> I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted that to be really aimed more at, uh, at the Mosley show, but that's just how he is, man. He's a very, very good guy. All right. Uh, Curtis, though, back to, softball, baseball, everything going on right now. MCC. Man, I'm seeing all kinds of like footage come in from the ball and I'm loving that what they've done out there. That looks so pretty. I was looking at pictures uh-huh. and everything out at MCC. Let's start with MCC. Um how how have things gone this year? I got to say when Mitch went over to Baylor, obviously most of my attention has been on Baylor baseball. Um what has What's MCC been doing? And, of course, always want to check on the high lassies as well. What's going on um, uh, on the MCC campus these days? You know, the baseball team, it's been a little up and down this season. You know, they they promote Tyler after Mitch gets the Baylor job. And they bring in former former Texas A&M standout Blake Alamon as the uh, the assistant coach there. And, um, you know, they, they probably had a little bit more roster turnover than most junior colleges are used to when Mitch left for Baylor. Uh, I know Sicoli followed him down the street, um, and I don't believe he was alone in that either. And so it, it's expected to be a little bit of a, of a step down, right? Like, what, realistically, all of us who follow sports, like, okay, new head coach, a little bit more than usual roster turnover because you your head coach just – jump straight from the JUCO ranks to the power five, like, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be a transition year. And so by their standards, it's a transition year. But I think a lot of people would, would give up a whole lot for a year like this to be their transition year. And so I think they're going to be fine in the long run. 
Um, and when you're talking about a program that in the past two seasons won a national championship and then went back to the World Series, yeah, it's a little strange to see them in the state that they're in at the moment, but I don't think anybody's sounding any alarm bells at this point. I think it's just, okay, this is just part of the process whenever you have to change coaches like that. Uh, and on the softball side, you know, aside from the coaching change thing, you know, this is a team that was, what, one win short of the national championship series there in Yuma a year ago. And so lost a lot of Division One talent. And, uh, you know, they bring back some, some people who got some playing time. But at the end of the day, like, when you lose key spots, like, you've got to figure those places out. Um, and just the nature of the sport, man, just baseball and softball are designed to be anybody can beat anybody on any given night. And I think that MCC's fallen victim to that a few times. I mean, case in point, yesterday's first round in the uh, conference tournament there on the banks of the Bosque at the moment. Uh, and so this is, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad year there on the MCC campus, but also, you know, when you look at the success that both of those programs have had the past especially two years, um, I can understand why people are, you know, what's happening over there. Like, no, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it, you know, it's just part of the, it's just part of the game, especially at the Juco level, man. So, um, you know, we'll see what Chris Berry's squad can do the rest of the way. Won their elimination game today in the uh, conference tournament. And so, you know, they'll be back in action as the weekend continues and they still have a shot at, you know, playing for uh playing for the conference crown and a spot at the world series. And uh, I think it's in Alabama this year. All right, and um, boy, I t- when we talk about softball, Crawford uh, continues to roll. They are on our air. We always enjoy hearing them. They had a six nothing victory yesterday uh, over who was that? White right or something like that? Not White House. Yeah, White, White right. right. Yeah, and and then they uh, they'll do another one. Go ahead and finish that thing out um, of our area softball and baseball. Who's catching your eye right now? I mean, and, and, and some of these, like Valley Mills, Bosqueville, some of these baseball series and things that will be coming up, uh, th- those are really exciting. I always have people kind of in my ears saying, man, some of these local baseball teams, you got to come, you got to come watch that. And, and sometimes they'll play on one of our local campuses or, or, uh, or Midway or somewhere like that. We got some great uh, baseball and softball programs around here. The one that I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two, and they're both going to be baseball programs because I think it's the usual suspects doing their normal thing on the softball side uh, at the moment. And so on the because you know Crawford shutting someone out in game one, okay, cool, that matches up for a Thursday. Uh, did you see what Academy did to Grosbeck last night? No. It was fifteen nothing mid seventh. I think that was the final. Just an outrageously dominant performance from the Bumblebees in Game One there, and Game Two tonight up in Corsicana, and so and then they'll finish that thing uh, tomorrow up in Corsicana if Grosbeck comes back and wins tonight. But an outrageously dominant effort there from the Bees uh, in Game One, and that popped off the uh, score page at me this, uh, last night whenever I saw it, like. If you're beating someone that badly, like you're playing outrageously good baseball, um, and as our as our former colleague Micah Fleet used to say, do you know how hard it is to be that dominant? Uh, and then the other one is Salado. You know that Burnett team's not a bad team; it's not a pushover team. And in Game One last night, Salado comes out and just controls it from first pitch, uh, and you know makes short work of it. Five inning ball game, twelve two. 
puts up a five spot in the first inning, and I was down there for that one. First home playoff game in a few years for the uh, for the Eagles there, and the first one uh, on that new field that they opened and that they debuted back in, I think it was 2020. And so, you know, good a good showing for Salado and a good showing for Academy. Both teams just outrageously dominant in uh, series openers here in the playoffs. Curtis Quillen, chilling with Quillen, getting his caught up. You know, that's my adopted hometown, Salado, out there on Mill Creek. And you're not that far away from there where you reside. No. So that would probably be a pretty fun place to go. So great to see the uh, Eagles getting involved at that at that point. And uh, there's just a lot of fun stuff happening right now. You know, I, I'm, I'm wondering about Baylor softball. It's a team, Curtis, you've watched closely this season. Had some ups and downs. Have had some huge moments. They need to finish strong, and uh, and and then of course they probably forfeited their uh, right to host one of these, uh, uh, you know, this first round. But still, what an incredible season it has been. What have you been able to determine? Because you've been close. You've called some games on TV. What is going on with this program? It, it just seems like sometimes maybe when they go on the road. There's a little bit of focus that they lose. And part of the thing is they now have a target on them. After beating OU and getting off to that great start and being ranked, and, and also they, have, they happen to play in this incredible – how many teams in the top five now, Curtis? Three, three teams from the Big three. 12 in the top five in softball. And, four uh, in the, the top 20. The, four in the top 20, counting the Bears. Where do you think right. this team is right now? I think this team is one that uh, I think this team is one that has a target on its back, and people have been able to find it. Uh, but has also, I think it's, I think what we need to understand about this Baylor softball season is we might have underestimated uh, Aaliyah Benford's role on this yes. team. Yes, yes, because because all of these struggles, Matt, seem to have come after she went down with a season-ending injury, uh, and so. You know, they had losses before that, but it wasn't head-scratchers like, you know, losing two out of three at last place Iowa State. It, you know, I, I pointed this out at, at 6 o'clock because I'm on my way to shoot some high school playoff games uh, tonight. I pointed this out at 6 o'clock when, when I taped my, my show. Baylor has not swept anybody in Big 12 play. Nobody. It dropped one to Kansas. It dropped one at Texas Tech. It dropped two out of three to Iowa State. It got swept by both Oklahoma schools, and it plays Texas this weekend. That's its Big 12 schedule. So, you know, what's how do you move forward from that? I think, you know, Glenn Moore, when I worked with Kelly Levesque calling Baylor in Longwood, she said, like, Glenn Moore is a lineup guy. He is sitting there and figuring out how he can do all these different lineups to create all these different benefits for the team. And so she was very complimentary of, of his ability to do that. I think that is one of the biggest keys moving forward is finding that lineup where all of a sudden it just clicks and they get it figured out and they're playing better and you forget that Aaliyah Benford is injured because since she went down, this is not the same team. And, you know, they have their ace still, Dariana Orm. They still have uh, Sidney Collazos behind the plate. But I don't think that they have a true number two pitcher at the moment, which is where I think a lot of the struggles that they're going through uh, are coming from. Riley Crandall's a great pitcher. 
She's super young, though. And so when you're talking about, you know, number five, Texas, number three, Oklahoma State, number one, Oklahoma, uh, and, and you're talking about playing in the Big 12, that's very different against a young pitcher like, like Riley Crandall than it is against a veteran, very clear-cut, solid number two pitcher like, like Aaliyah Benford. And that's not a knock on Riley. When, you know, she handled that Longwood game remarkably well. Uh, and shows a lot of promise to be, you know, a potential uh, big all Big 12 pitcher moving forward uh, when her t- when her time as the ace in the circle gets here. Uh, but this this team is is Dariana and then Riley, and I don't think that they have that depth in the pitching that we were expecting them to have in February, and that they showed in February and in early March before Aliyah's injury. You're right. When you have one great pitcher like they do, you, there's a sense you can throw them a lot. But, boy, to have a few healthy arms is a good thing. And the Benford point is well taken. The uh, uh, By the way, it's official. Uh, the university, uh, I mean, this is really interesting, just watching these Big 12 meetings and everything that's coming out of those. Have you uh, – have you have anything coming out of those? Any are you doing any uh, tea leave reading about the uh, the Pac-12? I mean, it's they still don't have a deal. It looks like ESPN in the past forty-eight hours we've learned that ESPN, while they might participate in some way, it would be small participation. Anything about these meetings catch your eye, including the the games in Mexico? I, I, I kind of wanted to get your take on that. Going to play basketball, Mexico City, playing some football in Monterey, Mexico. This this conference continues to think outside the box in, in a lot of areas. I think it's where, you know, where one conference digs, the other one zags. When the Big 12 went through what it went through with Texas and Oklahoma uh, applying for SEC membership in the summer of 2020, I want to say it was 2021 or 2022. It was 2021. When they went through all of that in the summer of 2021, the so-called hateful eight, the remaining eight schools came together and said, we need to stick together and we need to have one cohesive message and it needs to come from Irving and it needs to come from the conference office. And we need to respect that because it's better for the conference in the long run. That's the zig. The zag is exactly what you're seeing with the PAC 12. No cohesion, no, you know, several different messages You have presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors going on the record at their own will, which is their right uh, to do, but it shows, okay, well, one president wanted the deal done at the Pac-12 basketball tournament. Another president wanted it done by tax day. Another one wanted it done by the Final Four. We're past all those deadlines. The worldwide leader, and I think ESPN is the largest sports broadcasting rights holder in the world, if I'm not mistaken, and, you know, when they're out as the primary partner in your broadcast uh, deal, that's an interesting move. The You know, according to Dennis Dodd at CBS, the, the, the network told the Big 12, you're one of three networks we will be working with moving forward. And then, then they, they obviously run the conference networks for two that they're talking about with the ACC and the SEC. But this is going to be an interesting – it doesn't bode well. I don't think that the Pac-12 dying is a good thing for college sports. But the longer this drags out is for the Pac-12. Conference oh, no. USA type, we're 
where the heck to find their school's game on any given Saturday, where at least in a conference like the Big 12, it's either on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN Plus, or Fox Sports 1. Like it's on an ESPN mm-hmm. platform or a Fox platform. Whereas you've got Conference USA where sometimes it's on CBS Sports Network, sometimes it's on Facebook, sometimes it's on ESPN, and sometimes it's on NFL Network, and nobody knows where in the heck they're going to look uh, for said game. And so the more it drags out, the more the questions that I have, um, if, it's, if the difference, and I agree with reporters like Stephen Godfrey on, on this one, if it drags out, it comes down to what the number is on what the future of the Pac-12 is. And if it's just a 3 or $4 million a year per school difference in the media rights agreement between the Big 12 and the Pac-12, I don't think anything changes for the two conferences as far as membership goes. Um, but if you're talking about the Pac-12 coming and seeing that it's getting substantially less, you know, $10 million a year, I can see the, I can see the four corner schools bolting uh, and, and heading to greener pastures whenever it's, we're talking about an eight-digit in that uh, yearly payout. All right. Um, and, of course, it could end up on the CW, which is not – that's not like a coveted place to be. Right. And so that you've got to weigh that in as well. Uh, Curtis, any thoughts real quick on, on uh, the coronation of King Charles? Will you uh, – will you maybe will, – will you and your uh, lovely wife, will you all get up uh, – early perhaps and, and watch some of the coronation i mean i i've always had you as kind of a big uh, royals guy do you um <laughs> will, will y'all take part in any of that i uh, didn't even know the coronation was this week until i got to work today so uh i'm mm. thinking no mm. uh, my wife's not a big royals person i'm not a big royals person like i'm one of those i'm one of those people i love sports i love athletes i don't know a whole lot about the royal family uh i watched the netflix doc on uh you know, the Meghan Markle and, and Prince is it Harry, uh, yeah. which I think tells you just how much I know about the royal family. And I learned so much through that. And I was like, oh, man, it, my dad pointed out, like, there's a lot more to all of this. So, no, we're not going to be getting up early uh, to watch it. But I, I also understand okay. that I'm, I'm in the vast minority there. All right. And, uh, and, and by the way, y'all watch uh, The Crown at some point. Uh, I, that that is a uh, you would really enjoy that whether you're a Royals uh, watcher or not. The Crown is a great show, and uh, y'all would enjoy a few seasons of that. All right, Curtis, have a great one, and uh, good luck out there covering all those games tonight. Sounds good, Matt. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Good to visit with you, Curtis Quilla on the Matt Mosley Show. Campus Confidential is next. Baylor. Big 12 softball. This 